When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby, and I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing really well. Dan, how you doing? Doing well. It was our first day of remote learning here in the lobby household, so uh, navigating <laughs> all of that. I'm also joined by Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Doing good. All right. Uh, this is a good week, I think, because the Browns are going to start doing some things with their roster here. They might even start in the next few days. We'll, we'll see how that all plays out, but they have to cut their roster on Saturday. So I thought this was a good opportunity to kind of take the week and go through some positions and talk them through uh, and, and see what we might think about the Browns. So we're going to start with the back end of the defense today. And we're going to talk about the corners and the safeties. And I think we have to start here by talking about Grant Delpit, because obviously the Browns had big plans for Delpit. He is not going to be there this season due to the Achilles uh, injury and, and undergoing surgery. His season is over before it started. Uh, Mary Kay, when you look at the loss of Grant Delpit, now that we've had some time to kind of process it, I mean, what does it really mean for this defense? Well, you know, first of all, uh, I think it's a huge blow to the defense because even on draft day, when we talked to Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and those guys about Grant Delpit, they really went on and on about how versatile he is and just how many different things he could do for this defense. So I think he probably would have been on the field for almost every snap. Now, he was still not working with the ones yet in base defense, which is a 4-3 defense. Uh, he was still working behind Andrew Sendejo, Sendejo there at uh, free safety. But when it comes to any of the sub-defenses in terms of dime, nickel, uh, and those kinds of things, Grant was going to be on the field right from the start in those defenses. And I actually think that you know, that he probably would have gotten some four, three reps at free safety as well pretty early on. Maybe not the opener, but pretty quickly. So I think it's a huge blow. Uh, you know, they drafted him in the second round for a reason. You draft somebody in the second round to start or almost start for you, to make a big contribution and to make a big impact in your first season. That's supposed to be one of your blockbuster guys, and he was, he was going to be that. So I think it's a tremendous, tremendous blow. Uh, I had some thoughts and ideas on how they might try to replace him. Those went out the window today. Uh, but anyways, I, I just think it hurts a lot. Yeah, Logan Ryan, of course, uh, one of the, the people we're talking about. He at, at, Right when we were about to hit record, uh, he went elsewhere, not with the Browns. Uh, Scott, your thoughts on that? You know, Del- I think what 
what this means is we're going to find out how the Browns feel about Sheldrick Redwine as maybe uh, the, the third safety on the field at times uh, or a collection of practice squads slash undrafted free agents. You know, there just isn't a lot of experience behind the first two uh, safeties. And um, that's why, you know, we had talked about people like Ryan and, and maybe other possibilities, you know, do the Browns need to go out and, and get somebody. Um, but now I think you're, you're left with, just a lot of uncertainty. And I think Joseph and Sandejo have done good to like nail down those spots. I, you know, from the start of camp, it was very clear that those were the two guys and then they were working Delp it in and in different packages. But um, now there's questions and, you know, you have, uh, you have Montreal Ma Meander at linebacker who was a former safety uh, and he was out there a little bit kind of dropping back and, and you saw him covering a little bit when they were scrimmaging. Uh, a couple days ago. Was that yesterday? Man, I've lost track of the what? days during training camp. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so you, you, you're you going to be mixing and matching and trying to figure out who can step up and take that position. I, I suppose there's still time to bring someone else in, but, I mean, the, the, the pickings are slim at this point, two weeks out. You know, l let me uh, lament the fact that they lost Logan Ryan today because, as you guys know, uh, <laughs> I was kind of uh, beating that drum a little bit uh, for Logan Ryan. I found out that they did express a considerable amount of interest in Logan Ryan over the past few months. This wasn't just, this just didn't even happen right after Grant Delpit. They had been kind of checking in on him uh, throughout uh, the off season. So this was somebody that they had some interest in, uh, but they did not want to pay him $10 million a year. That's what he wanted. In the end, he just signed a one year deal with the Giants worth seven and a half million dollars. I would have done that deal all day long. So basically that tells me uh, that Logan Ryan, you know, wanted to go to the Giants for, you know, for whatever. I think he's reunited with somebody there. I don't have it off the top of my head right now. I believe he's, he's from New Jersey too, I believe. Okay. So he's going back home. And then I think uh, he, he's reunited with the coach as well. Again, I, I haven't, this just happened. Uh, but I thought he would have been a perfect replacement for Grant Delpit because he was a cornerback throughout his whole entire career after being uh, selected by the, the Patriots in 2013. Uh, then he moves on to the Titans the last three years, started cornerback uh, for three years for them, but now he wants to be a safety. He's ready to move. He's 29 years old. Uh, he's ready tra to transition to safety and I think was excited to try to play that position. And I think he would have brought that versatility where you can uh, play him a little bit at corner. You can play him at uh, safety. You can kind of play him in the, you know, the big nickel and do some different things with him like they were going to do with Grant Delpit. Uh, so I think, uh, geez, it's in my mind, that would have been just, there's not that many guys out there like Logan Ryan. Last year, uh, he had four interceptions, four sacks, something like, I think he had four forced fumbles. Uh, he had a really good game against the Browns, if you guys remember, one and a half sacks. He picked off Baker Mayfield, got a little beer thrown on him. Beer and dumped on him. Dog <laughs> Uh, but anyways, I, I just thought he would have been perfect because there, there just aren't a lot of guys out there like that that can bring that kind of experience, that kind of production, and get that kind of job done for you. you know, keep yep. in mind that, that they did lose Grant Delpit, but it, they also lost Mac Wilson, who uh, is, a, is a linebacker who was seen as, as having coverage ability. I know he didn't have a great season, but we saw it in the preseason last year, his ability to cover. So you take him out of the equation – and now Delpit, who, again, it really excelled at that in college and was seen as someone who would come in the NFL and do it. So now you're, you're missing two guys there in the middle of the field who, 
could really add to your ability to cover people. So that's another reason why Ryan would have made a lot of sense. Yeah, and then this this quote from Joe Woods, I, I just looked it up, and, and Logan Ryan was uh, was born in New Jersey. He went to Rutgers, uh, so obviously going home. But money talks in the NFL. You you could have uh, you could have given him enough money to, or maybe living a, a few hours away from from your home state would have been uh, easy to stomach. But this quote from Joe Woods about losing Grant Delpit uh, last week, he said Grant was ideal in terms of his versatility. He could play strong, free, or he could play the dime. That's kind of what I ran when I was in Denver. We were based on a dime, and I still want to be able to run that package, but we are really going to have to evaluate where we are with our linebackers and with our secondary in terms of what we can do. So that tells you that Joe Woods certainly feels that loss of Grant Delpit, that maybe we didn't get a chance to see all of it uh, when we were out there at practice for various reasons, uh, but it seems like Joe Woods had some big plans for Grant Delpit especially with Joseph and Sandejo locking down safety to move him around, do some different things, cause some problems with him. And now he's not going to be able to do that. Yeah, they really did have big plans for him. And obviously, you know that Joe Woods had to be uh, in on the drafting of Grant Delpit. He had to endorse that uh, because these guys, Andrew Berry, Paul DePodesta, and these guys that are uh, trying to stock this roster are really trying to give these coaches what they want, what they need. And I'm sure that, that Joe Woods was really, really excited about Grant Delpit. And, and of course, on that very same day that Grant Delpit goes down with the ruptured Achilles, which he had the surgery. He's back rehabbing uh, right now. He, he's in the facility. Uh, but Greedy Williams also went down with the shoulder injury. And we haven't talked about that all too much. I mean, I'm, I bring it up and we bring it up from time to time uh, in our writing and talking and all that kind of stuff. But because we don't know the extent of that shoulder injury, we haven't really been able to say, oh, hey, now they've got to go find somebody uh, to replace Greedy Williams too. But it's weird. He hasn't been around since last Monday, one week ago, when he went out with that shoulder injury. Right, a very mysterious shoulder injury. Uh, you know, Coach Stefanski, as we've learned, is not very forthcoming on much at all, really, but he's not very forthcoming on injuries specifically. Um, so we, we just don't know what the injury is right now with, with Greedy Williams, if it's something to be concerned about, if it's something that could linger. Uh, and, and I'm glad you went that direction, Mary Kay, because honestly, I don't know if there's much more to talk about at safety. There's one other guy I want to talk about, but, but we'll get back to him later, uh, because I think this is an important topic. With Greedy Williams, you know, I, I, guess, I guess let's go here. Do you guys believe Greedy Williams necessarily should have been the starting corner this year? Because we've seen Terrence Mitchell a little bit over two years in game action. And I thought, you know, again, based on what we could see, which is not always very much, it seemed like Terrence Mitchell was doing a pretty good job. Do either of you think there was a chance that maybe Terrence Mitchell could have won that job, even if Greedy was healthy or should have been given a shot to win that job? Scott, you go. Well, I mean, Terrence Mitchell was on this team and Greedy Williams was drafted. I know it wasn't this crew that did it, but I guess that's maybe uh, an, a mark against uh, Mitchell is, is the, the guy who's going to just come in and own that position. They took Greedy Williams in the second round. A lot of people considered him a first-round draft pick. Um, could Mitchell win the position? I think, sure. I think that's the one thing that makes this Greedy Williams injury maybe not as big a deal as some other spots is that we know Terrence Mitchell is there and we've seen him step in before and, uh, you know, pulled the fort down while, while Williams was out. And, you know, I, if, if they were starting over and everybody was healthy and they said, you know, this is an open competition. I don't think anybody would be surprised to hear that. I don't think Grady Williams came into this year as, uh, 
the guy who you, who you knew wasn't going to lose that spot. But again, I, I still think that when he is healthy, he's going to be the guy next to Denzel Ward in week one. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, that has been the plan all along. Uh, but this was a big camp, I think, for Greedy to really sort of step up and, and nail things down. And I think this injury is quite a setback for him uh, because he had some things to prove. He had technique that he needed to improve. And you know the guy that I actually thought uh, might give him a run for his money was Kevin Johnson. Mm -hmm. Every time I looked out there, I saw Kevin Johnson making plays and doing all, all, all kinds of things. He was active. He was aggressive. And he was just showing up everywhere. Now, he plays a very vital role as the nickelback, and they need him a lot. That's a, a position where you're going to get a lot of reps. Uh, so chances are they probably still would have kept Greedy on the outside and maybe had Kevin Johnson still as the nickelback. But I think, I don't know, there was just something in the back of my mind that was telling me that Kevin Johnson was making a run for a starting job with the way he was performing in camp and that they might have had to change things up a little bit. The, the one thing about Terrence Mitchell that has always stood out to me um, is just, and, and I know this is something, when you say this, this is something that, that some people might not love, but I've always felt like he's one of those guys that just knows how to get the football. You know, we saw it so early when he won that starting job back, uh, what was that, 2018, I believe. Um, I mean, he came out and he was making plays. He was forcing fumbles. Uh, getting interceptions, you know, again, obviously, you know, we don't watch necessarily how a guy covers step to step, right? And, you know, it's hard to do that uh, unless you're a coach grading film. Uh, but I do think there is something to be said about a guy that just kind of knows how to get his hands on the football or, or knows how to poke the football free. Uh, and, and I think Terrence Mitchell has shown a little bit of a penchant for that, not just in Cleveland, but uh, you know, if I'm not mistaken, in, in his career, he's got decent, you know, interception numbers, and that's not everything for a corner. Uh, some corners don't ever get interceptions because they're shutting down the guy they're defending. Uh, but I, I do, I st I'm still intrigued by Terrence Mitchell, even though he's a veteran now, we know a little bit about him. I'm still intrigued by what he can do. And if nothing else, he's, he's at least valuable depth, depth on this team. Um, an another guy, oh, go ahead, Mary Kay. I was going to say, he, and he really thinks of himself as a starter. I remember talking to him last year, and he, you know, he took exception to the notion that when Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward missed the first four games of the season, uh, you know, he just didn't really like the notion or the idea uh, that, that anybody would think that there was any drop-off with him in there as a starter. He didn't see it that way at all. He felt that he wasn't missing a beat. Uh, when he was in there, he felt really good about his performance, and he should have. I mean, he he has starting caliber qualities about him, and I, I do think that that he is another player that uh, you know that if, if Greedy has to miss some time, and Terrence steps in there for him, I don't think it is a catastrophe. Yeah, it was four interceptions in 2017 with Kansas City, uh, and then an interception and two forced fumbles in in 2018. Uh, and I specifically remember that New Orleans game that the Browns almost pulled off uh, when Zane Gonzalez missed a bunch of kicks uh, that the, the Browns almost pulled off. He had a, he had a big afternoon uh, that day. Another guy, though, that we need to talk about and, you know, would have maybe made Kevin Johnson able to move outside is MJ Stewart. Uh, he, he came on pretty much as soon as he arrived. And there were a couple days there in camp in a row where, you know, you'd look up and you'd see MJ Stewart in the backfield holding his arm up after a whistle. Like, like this guy was making plays for this team. 
And so that seems like a guy that you brought in was a good guy to grab from Tampa Bay. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe if Kevin Johnson were healthy, that creates a little bit of a domino effect where Stewart could play in the nickel. If you really like Kevin Johnson on the outside, it would have sort of increased the competition there. But MJ Stewart is another guy to kind of keep an eye on as we move forward. Now he's, he's also missed time. Yeah. I think, you know, you look at, I know there's been a lot of injuries in this defensive backfield, but really go down the list of players on this roster. And most of these guys have made plays in camp, you know, whether it's been interceptions or breaking up plays, you know, most of the safeties, you know, Red Ryan has had some picks and, you know, Johnson and Stewart have had their moments. Um, obviously, the, you know, Denzel Ward, I think he had a pick six in one of the, uh, one of the practices that I could actually see up close uh, on one of the backfields in Berea. So even though there's been all these injuries, the defensive backfield, I don't think is having a bad camp per se. They're actually performing and they're, they're getting their hands on balls. It's just, they can't stay on the field. And, you know, in Stewart's case, he's, he's been one of those guys. And that was just, I don't know, that was just like a weird foreshadowing of things to come when they signed him. It was like a week or something, maybe less than a week before Johnson got hurt. Um, they picked him up. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that maybe he's, he's the kind of guy that because so many injuries have happened in this defensive backfield, maybe he's a guy that sneaks on at the back of this other roster. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think that he, uh, he was showing some things in place of Kevin Johnson at that nickel spot. And again, he may have uh, given, given Kevin a little run for his money there and they, they get to move Kevin to the outside and they get to mix and match. They have enough talent, enough bodies at the position they knew they were going to need a lot because when you play uh, five and six defensive backs, obviously you need even more than that to, you know, to come in and sub and stuff like that. So they had a lot of guys, they had a lot of bodies to throw at it. They ended up needing them. And, uh, and as you mentioned, Scott, these guys are getting their hands on a lot of footballs. And that is something that did not happen with this team last year enough at all. And they are really attacking the ball this year, really going for the ball. And I have a feeling that they are going to get so many more turnovers than they did. Joe Woods emphasizes that. The 49ers did that. Uh, and, and I just think that that's really going to help out this offense uh, to be ahead of the turnover game. Okay, uh, real quick before we, we take a break here, um, I'm going to throw a couple of names at you guys. Uh, and they're kind of some bubble guys. And I'm, I'm curious what you think, whether, you know, and look, we're a week away from this or you know, not a week, but a few days away from this still. So, so things can certainly change. Uh, but on or off your 53-man roster, just a couple of guys here. Uh, here's a name that I think we, I feel like we have to talk about because he was getting playing time. Donovan Alumba, 6'2", 205 out of Portland State and got some playing time with all those injuries. Scott, on or off? You know, I, I, we were preparing for this podcast. I, I went back and I looked at my projected 53 that I did like a month ago. <laughs> before any training camp practices and of course after seeing nothing all off season and he was not one of the six corners that I kept I had Denzel Greedy Kevin Johnson Terrence Mitchell Tavier Thomas special team standout and AJ Green largely because we keep hearing about how he was given like 140 grand to, to sign as an undrafted free agent and he's got an awesome name that we want on the team so we can <laughs> ask him about covering AJ Green from the Bengals um that's different now. I think Alumba is a guy who's in there because he's clearly impressed the coaches enough to uh, get some first team reps and be a guy who's moved up when guys haven't been able to practice. Um, AJ Green, on the other hand, has really been stuck to that third 
and fourth group. Um, so yeah, I think he makes it at this point, um, just based on on reps and and the the confidence the coaches seem to be showing in him. Yeah, I think with uh, with MJ ailing with the hamstring and with Greedy right now out with the shoulder. I say Donovan is in there. I mean, we see him getting good work. We see him breaking up some passes. Uh, you know, we, we see him out there making a difference. And right now they need all the cornerbacks they can get. So right now I would have to say on. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. I think based on where he's been playing, unless they, there's just a run of healthy guys coming back and you just don't have room for him. Uh, I, I think he's probably on as well. Uh, Scott, you mentioned this guy. And I, I think I know where this answer is going to go as well. But... Tavier Thomas. Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. He's like, he falls into that category that we've talked about with some of the receivers like Kadero Hodge and Jojo Natson. You know, he brings something more than just that main position he plays. Uh, he actually kind of became the main kickoff returner over the last half of last season. So that's tough. I think, I think the fact that he has also been a guy who's kind of moved up when people have been hurt. Um, I would tend to say he sneaks on at the bottom. You know, if Mike Prefer had something to say about it, he probably does. Uh, but if they keep, they should probably keep six corners. I think he might be number six in this scenario. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, he's one of those guys that falls under the category of Mike Prefer, you know, would get his handful of guys. And I think Tavier Thomas, uh, you know, would, would definitely be one that, that Mike Prefer would stand on the table for and say that he's got to have that guy. So I'm going to say on. Yeah, I wish I could pick somebody we could disagree on. I'm looking at this list. I'm just not sure if I see anybody. But yeah, I got to say Tavier Thomas makes it as a uh, um, as at least a special teamer. Uh, one other guy, a draft pick, a recent draft pick, uh, spent time on the practice squad last year, and I don't feel like we've seen much of him this year. Donnie Lewis? Is anybody going to say Donnie Lewis is on? Well, that's what I was going to say. Uh, you know, we were talking about Tavier Thomas, the, the, the guys he's up against, I think, are really good candidates for being on the practice squad. And Lewis is one of those guys who was kind of a non-factor last year. Uh, got, he spent most of camp uh, sidelined with an injury and just never got up and going. And he, he was on the practice squad last year. So there's him. There's, of course, A.J. Green, uh, undrafted free agent. Robert Jackson, who has almost no experience. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't think – I don't think Lewis, he, he got some run as a, as a nickel corner when people started going down, but I don't know that he's moved up the depth chart enough to, to be one of those top six guys. Yeah, I think it, it would be a long shot for him at this point. Again, he could possibly be a candidate for the practice squad. And we haven't really talked about the guy who picked off Baker Mayfield at the end of this scrimmage. I was going to throw him out there. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? 
I, I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really keep, keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I, I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216 208 3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. Javante Moffitt, safety. But anyways, he made a big play the other day. He's another guy that I think is probably more so headed for the practice squad. Um, what do you guys think? Moff, Moffitt's interesting. I mean, look, sometimes you make plays, right? And you make enough plays that it gets you on a roster. Normally, we see it in the preseason. A, a guy makes plays. You know, I always remember Isaiah Crowell. He was probably headed for the practice squad, and then he has that huge fourth preseason game, and the Browns don't want to risk putting him through waivers after that. Uh, and, and they end up putting him on the 53-man roster. This is a little different. Uh, but I'm sure that these teams have scouts watching these live streams of practices and reading up on reports from practices, seeing some of these names that maybe they remember from the draft process or, or whatever, um, and, and seeing these guys maybe doing well or making plays. So, you know, if, if they like Moffitt and they want to get him through, maybe they would have to put him on. And, of course, losing, uh, you know, losing a player like Grant Delpit opens up one of those those safety spots as well. So. Let me see, Moffitt. Well, we've got your safeties are Joseph Sandejo, Sheldrick Redwine, who we need to talk about still a little bit. I think Moffitt's on. I think hmm. I'm putting him on. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. All right. I mean, he you got five spots, so, I mean, there's two open. If they don't bring anybody else in, there, there's, there's three guys battling for two spots right now, basically is what it comes down to. Now, remember, of course – that, and we've talked about this on this pod, that Andrew figures to be, Andrew Barry will probably be very, very active on the waiver wire on, on September 6th, after the day after cuts on September 5th. So that back end of the roster, when we're talking about the Moffitts and, and those kind of guys, the Lewises and, and whatnot, uh, just because they didn't get cut on September 5th doesn't mean they're not getting cut on September 6th. So keep that in mind as you're thinking about the 53. Yeah, it's the initial 53, not the final 53. Right. It, it changes exactly. in, in less than 24 hours. So, yeah. um, and, and, of course, that expanded practice squad, too. We, we've got to remember that. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got to remember the rules for game day. You've got that expanded roster on game day. But you have to reserve some of those spots for offensive linemen. So I'm curious to see how some of that reflects on, on roster building and, and some of these rosters. One guy we got to talk – oh, go ahead, Mary Kay. I was just going to say, I know that it's defensive back day, but I just want to throw this out there real quick since it was a news item for today. And that is uh, that Mac Wilson doesn't need the surgery, uh, that he will be um, able to come back possibly as early as four to six weeks from now. He could be back by late September, mid-October, if all goes as planned. And uh, 
you know, just that was one, you know, housekeeping thing I figured we better throw out there. Yeah, good, good news for, for Mac Wilson and, and certainly the, the back seven of this defense, which is, is going to need all the help it can get. And one guy we've got to talk about, too, is Sheldrick Redwine, uh, a draft pick from John Dorsey's days. Didn't get a ton of playing time uh, in his rookie season, did a little bit at the end of the year. Um, you know, certainly, you know, it, it turns out, you know, sometimes you don't get to really know these guys, you know, for whatever reason. You don't go up and talk to them in the locker room. You're not writing the story where you've got to talk to them, so you don't get a chance to know these guys. Turns out, uh, kind of one of the young leaders on this team as, as far as, you know, their social justice efforts and, and things of that nature. But also on the field, he's going to have an opportunity here to maybe replace what Grant Delpit could have done. Should, should we assume, Mary Kay, that it's going to be Sheldrick Redwine getting that opportunity? Well, I think he's got a really good shot at it. This is his chance to really step up and to really shine. And so uh, when they're out there on the practice field this week, which is such a pivotal week, because this is a week that they're basically deciding who is playing where and, and what they're going to do. Because after that, it's game plan week. They are installing the game plan, and you're going to be having your role. And so this is the week to kind of put your, you know, to plant your flag for your job. And so I, I think it's a huge week for him. I thought he looked pretty good the other night. And Friday night, they're going to have another scrimmage at the stadium at 7 o'clock. And so that's a game, That's a, an evening where he's got to really say, you know what, I'm going to make you not miss Grant Delpit as much as you thought you were going to. Yeah, I mean, he started five games. And, I mean, it was kind of up and down. <clears throat> I think he's one of the you know, many guys on defense who just kind of pushed into a, a role, whether they were ready for it or not. Um, if you're into pro football focus grades, he graded like below four other safeties based on last season. It was probably what you'd expect from a rookie year. But uh, you're right, Mary Gay, with, with Grant Delpit out of the picture, I don't think you uh, – well, I didn't even think this before, but I think you don't give up on a guy like that who, who's been here and uh, been all through camp. He's not someone I think you're going to replace with a, with a waiver claim after, after cut-down day. I think he's pretty much here. And, and now it's just what kind of role do you want him to play? I don't know if he's necessarily in Grant Delpit's role. Maybe he, maybe he moves uh, to free safety and either Sandejo or Carl Joseph, um, you know, becomes a, a nickel safety kind of person. We'll have to wait and see how they, how they use that. But, you know, he's, he's the best they got of the rest. That's for sure. Because like we said, behind him, it's a bunch of undrafted unknowns. And I don't know if that's what you want roaming the field week one, against Lamar Jackson and company. Yeah, Redwine's kind of a, a classic John Dorsey pick and probably a classic Alonzo Highsmith pick since he's from the U. Uh, but a, a guy that ran a, a 4-4-4-40 at the Combine, uh, jumped 39 inches. It, it was funny, last year I actually, before that draft, he was a guy that I had circled just because of those athletic testing numbers. And we know how much you know John Dorsey in that front office loved those testing numbers, especially with late round picks. Uh, so Redwine's a guy that's got the attributes. He's got the traits. He's just got to translate it to the NFL football field now, uh, what, what he was able to do in Miami. So, the, you know, look, opportunities like this arise in the NFL because guys get hurt, and, and he's going to have one right now to, to kind of prove, hey, you didn't need to go draft another safety. I'm here. You've got me. And, and maybe one of the bright spots of this is Redwine plays well, and the Browns feel like they have their, their safety group for a long time together now with, with Redwine and Delpit. Yeah, I think he's, and he, 
he has stepped up as a leader. I haven't gotten a chance to write the story yet because I talked to him a little bit more uh, than what we had on the Zoom the other day. So I'm kind of uh, working on that a little bit still, but uh, he, they really love his leadership. I mean, they put him on uh, the 11 man uh, social justice leadership committee and that, that's quite an honor to be on that when you're a second year player. And so he's really stepped up and established himself uh, in that kind of way. And I think he wants to do the same thing on the field too. So he's one to watch over the next couple of weeks. Here, here's a name that hasn't come up and <clears throat> oops, we're talking about the back of that safety depth chart is JT Hassel, who <laughs> if you're just into raw numbers and, and doing the best with the limited opportunities that you get, uh, he's the guy who's on the practice squad for most of last season um, at safety. <laughs> I'm bringing up the number here. He played, 14 snaps at safety, uh, but he had like the fourth best defensive grade from PFF. He was the best tackler on the team, um, also excelled in coverage. Uh, so, you know, he's not a guy who's actually, I think, stood out in any particular way during training camp, um, but he played well last year and he's still here. So if you see JT Hassel sneak on to the roster, maybe it's because those coaches made note of, of how he played in his limited opportunities. All right, so there you have it. Uh, the Browns' defensive backfield, their safeties, and their corners. We're going to go through uh, as many positions as we can this week as we approach uh, the roster cutdown day. This has been a strange camp. I can't believe it's, it's upon us already, but we are less than two weeks away from the opener in Baltimore. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to Football Insider. I told you that number earlier, but it's 216-208-3965 to start that 14-day free trial. And also make sure you're subscribed here to this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, leave us good reviews, five-star reviews especially. We love to see those and we love to hear your feedback. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.